0: your hosts Griffin Youngs and Christian Bolle. Hello everybody welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs joined by Christian Bolle as always coming at you a day early for a special Christmas edition of the Teladavs, it is podcast. And what better present to have under your tree than two more Avalanche victories? They pick up all four points and go into the Christmas break with an overtime win over the Montreal Canadiens, two to one, and an overtime win over the Nashville Predators, three to two, with a two nothing comeback. So, I mean, I'm saying that clearly nothing has gone wrong, right? Everything is fine, nothing to worry about. Surely on Christmas, there's no bad news, right? There can't be.
1: Oh, there always is. There's always bad news with this team. Um, for those of you who didn't watch, there was a point in the third period where the Avs were down four skaters. They were down four skaters. Uh, and the biggest one being Valeri Nechushkin. He did leave the game and did not return with a lower body injury. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's precautionary. Um, and hopefully after these three days, he's back. Actually, now that I think that they're playing Arizona, he probably won't play in that one unless he's like 102% ready. Um, but yeah, that fucking sucks, man. It really puts a damper on just how crazy that game was.
0: Yeah, it really does just put an absolute mess on what should be something we're feeling really good about. The Avs did not start well against the Predators. They're down two to nothing in Nashville. They come back all the way to win. You get a Sam Gerrard overtime goal in Nashville, cannot script that any better. But now, once again, it would not be the Teledabs podcast without talking about injuries because it just seems like all we ever talk about sometimes. Now we have to worry about Val again. And I, I wish I shared your optimism, but he's just looked slow over the last couple of games. I, I didn't really want to say anything because it was just like, oh, he's just shaking off some stuff and whatever. He just hasn't looked the same since coming back from injury. He's looked like he's been trying really hard. He looks like Val but just without the same foot speed. And now we're talking lower body injury. That's getting really hard to pinpoint where it happened. Now I'm worried that this might be an issue. It might be an issue, but
1: I'm going to remain optimistic. It is the Christmas season. I'm going to keep my hopes held high that it is just a, a little bit of a nagging thing going on. And hopefully we're talking like worst case. He's out like, a week, two weeks maybe and just gets fully rested but uh that's I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going I'm feeling good from this win. Uh I, I it doesn't look good because like you said we can't really pinpoint anywhere that he got hurt. He just kind of didn't return for the third period. So I, that kind of Those
0: scare me the most when you can't really tell when it happened. Those non-contact injuries tend to be the ones with the longest wait times. Like you see a guy get crunched into the boards or block a shot. There's always that chance he's just got like a stinger or something like that misses the game, maybe a game or two. It's the ones where it's just like, well where did this happen that you're like, this is either a nagging thing that's going to take a while to fully heal or like he tore his groin or something like that. Yeah. That that's always where my mind goes cuz I have to physically see it with my eyes or otherwise I'm like, oh he, he snapped his leg and we just didn't see it somehow.
1: Yeah. I I'm, I'm going to remain on the optimistic side. I'm going to keep keep holding out hope that he's going to be okay. But um, that that was the big time bummer on the game. And that's the last time you're going to hear us be bummed on this episode because we're going to move forward. We're going to talk about this crazy game between the Predators and the abs. Unless you had anything else you wanted to chime in on
0: that. Well, we also don't know about Martin Cow. Yeah,
1: sure. but that one doesn't really like, you know what I mean? Like he's playing what, like three <laughs> minutes a night. It just
0: sucks. Still, yes. just it like, sucks. You mean you mentioned it? Like we went through forty minutes with no injuries, and then there was just a five-minute stretch where Val goes down the tunnel, and Kout goes down the tunnel, and then Brad Hunt goes down the tunnel. Like there was just injuries were piling up. Like stop, stop, stop. <laughs> what the stop? What is happening? It, it is the last period before the Christmas break. Stop, please.
1: <laughs> it it's it sucks for Kout, but I mean. He, I feel bad for Kout as a human, but if you're looking at this from the like abs perspective, this isn't like the biggest, like you could call up foodie, you could call Pudan to play those four minutes that Martin Kout's playing a night. Um, Bednar's talking right now as I'm watching. I don't know if he's saying anything about Jay or uh, Big Val, but uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled on Twitter to see if there's anything going on with that. Um, I imagine Jared Bednar will give us all the details with yes. what's going on with he Big He will Val. give
0: us the exact timetable for Val Nachushkin about an hour after the injury happened because he has all of that information and he's just being difficult for sure. Yeah. He's going to be
1: great. And who knows? Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's just like the Cogliano thing where it's just a couple games. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Let's certainly hope so. I mean, and on a positive note, the abs won both of the games without Andrew Cogliano they didn't start well in either of them, but they no. came back and won both times. The Canadians game, not super eventful. The Nashville game, a lot more entertaining. But the Avs, ever since Nathan McKinnon got hurt against the Philadelphia Flyers, they go into the Christmas break 6-2-1 and since then. And if you cut out the Boston and the Rangers game, where they were fielding the Eagles, they are 6-1-0 at that time.
1: Yeah. They're playing solid hockey. So it's a positive note going in. Uh, we talked about this being a pretty important stretch of hockey for the abs because they were playing some lesser opponents, um, and they go undefeated this week. We, we talked about it on Sunday's episode about how they needed to play some good hockey and they, and they did, I guess we did record an episode on uh, Tuesday. I'm just all sorts of over the place here, man. Um, but the have stick go undefeated. Um, I think we said on the podcast, some crazy fuck shit was going to happen in this predators game. Uh, some crazy fuck shit happened in this predators game.
0: Yeah, a couple of strange things happened in this game. But for the most part, this has kind of just been the app script over the last little while. Just start slow and you get to play that fun game of bad first period or bad omen for the rest of the game. And you genuinely cannot tell until like late in the second period.
1: You just never know. You just never know what's going to happen with them. Um, I tweeted that out at the beginning of the game. It's like the apps just love to look like an AHL team for the first 20 25 minutes of a game and then they remember about halfway through like oh yeah
0: we're we're pretty fucking good we're way better than this team like we're way better than this team even without our best players and then they just go nuclear and destroy them and it's crazy because you look at these last three games all three of them have gone to overtime they should not have the avs outplayed all three opponents they outplayed the islanders they got off to a slow start against the Habs. They outplayed them ever since. That game shouldn't have been that close. And the Predators got off to a good start. They pumped UC Soros again for 45-plus shots. And Soros again plays out of his mind. And you had Jake Allen playing out of his mind. We had the Sorokin episode already playing out of his mind. It's what I said last time. Can we just get one mediocre game from a goalie? Not even bad, just like 9-10. You know
1: what's? we're really going to put this theory to the test because you're going to face the Coyotes and the Kings next. Both those teams not known for having the best goaltending.
0: You already know Vejmelka is putting on the greatest goaltending performance of his entire life at home at Mullet Arena. First trip to Mullet Arena, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's going to be – it's just – like
1: you said, it's been crazy. The Avs – I love that stat you tweeted out that they have like 125 shots in their past three games, and they've scored on like 2.3% of them. Like, yeah. those, those are numbers in a hockey season that they will balance out eventually. Oh, like yeah. we talked about it with the McKinnon shooting percentage. His shooting percentage is going to go up. The Avs shooting percentage as a team is going to go up because if you keep getting these high-quality chances, you're eventually going to start scoring more than three goals a game.
0: You just will. Yeah, and the stat Christian's talking about before the JT comp for goal to tie the game in this Nashville game, I tweeted, the Avalanche have scored three goals on their last 123 shots in their last three games. That is a whopping 2.4 shooting percentage. And then immediately after I tweet that, comp for scores, you get the Sam Girard overtime winner because the the theme for us today on Twitter is just jinxes. We were doing that all night long, but... A 2.4 shooting percentage is completely absurd. And the fact that you won all of those games while shooting ridiculously low shooting percentages without Nathan McKinnon, without Gabe Landeskog, without very important pieces on your team, while getting ridiculous goaltending on the other side, that is nothing but a good omen that you look at this like, oh, that's a lot of bad luck. We also went 3-0. and
1: Yeah. It's a lot about it's very rare that you can say that in hockey where like, oh, you're getting robbed and you're still winning games. Like that just doesn't happen in hockey. like We're we're talking about like those are the type of games that usually result in you losing to like the Coyotes or losing to the Habs. Like that's just
0: in the past. They have.
1: Correct. Correct. But this team just battles, man. They're playing some really damn good hockey right now. Like I'm happy the breaks here, but I'm also kind of like the abs were in such a rhythm right now. It kind of sucks, but I'm interested to see how that game against Arizona goes on Tuesday. But overall, I mean, you can you can just do nothing but it as an Avs fan, just smile because this team is finding ways to win considering everything that's going on right now with injuries and just bad luck when it comes to scoring.
0: A lot of bad luck, and I, th- I think it's time to have this conversation. Is Miko Rantanen a heart contender right now? I think he's a contender but what McDavid's doing is just yeah. absolutely disgusting so My my wording there was intentional.
1: Yeah. You are I m- think he's a contender. Yeah. I on the short list of players right now like you could go off like obviously McDavid's clear cut number 1. Who who would you say is number 2? I think Miko's got to be up there for number 2.
0: I think the the popular answer right now would be Robertson, but he's cooled off a bit lately. I, he'd probably still be up there, but when you look at Miko Rantanen, after he scored the goal to make it two to one, he had this season twenty five point three percent of the total goals for the team. I have not done the math since, and I'm not going to. But for Miko, he had scored over a quarter of this team's goals, and right now he is currently up to about was it twenty three goals, twenty two goals at this point, twenty three goals now for him. He's playing out of his mind at this point. This team would be sinking without him. I just said, oh, Oh. we're 6-2-1 since McKinnon went out. That would simply not be the case without Miko Rantan. We're probably talking two, three wins at most. Max. I mean, he's playing
1: at such an unreal level right now. And the funny part is, is like his game is just so like easy for him that he doesn't look like he's trying sometimes. but he he's just so much better than everyone else on the ice right now. Um, I, I think it's a fair conversation to have at this point of the season, because you obviously have McDavid who should win it and probably will win it. But Miko Rantan, if he continues his pace throughout the rest of the season, he's going to be a finalist. He's going to be, Yeah. but it's just going to be interesting because he's going to get screwed by the fact that once McKinnon and Landis God come back, they'll be like, Oh, look at who he's playing with. Right. Uh, no wonder he's playing as well. But they're going to take not take into account the first 38 games of the season where it was basically just him.
0: Right. And just Ranton is just so smooth whenever he has the puck. But you're right. I mean, McDavid has 65 points right now and 29 goals. Well, he's at 30, he scored tonight. Oh, he did. Well, I'm not watching that game. But (laughs) again, 30 30 goals at this point in the season before you've even hit 2023 is bananas. And like you're looking at other guys, like I'm sure David Posternock's gonna get a lot of love. Jason Robertson, no matter how much what? he's pulled down. The thing if, with Posternock is look who he's playing with. Like right. well, that well, it only matters for the apps. It doesn't man. matter for Bruins players. But I will say this if the Sabres even sniff the playoffs, Tage Thompson's in that conversation. He should
1: be. Yeah, he should he,
0: be he should be right now. But we yeah. all know that like you have to come close to the playoffs to get consideration. But if they come close, Thompson's absolutely gonna be on yeah. that. But overall,
1: I mean, like you said, Miko Ranchodin playing at an unreal level. I mean, he gets the abs in the first thirty minutes of this game against the Predators. They looked dead. They looked slow. They had no energy, and the abs got a power play. I think with like like a good amount of the second period left, and that was their best power play of the night. And Saros's mask fell off, and the puck just laid on his back before the before the whistle blew. But after that, the abs just dominated that second period and really took it over and it was all played by logan o'connor setting up miko Ranton. and miko that, that is just such a perfect shot that even mark mosher was didn't know it went in because it was that quick and that that fast out of the back of the net
0: yeah i mean i thought it hit the post at first too i mean just such a clean shot such a smooth shot it's just one of those things where it's just he makes that look So easy. It is not easy to pick that corner from that angle on UC Soros. UC Soros. I mean, we've seen it in the last two games we've played him. It is not easy to beat that guy. And Branton is just making goalies look dumb right now. He's unbelievable. He's just, he's unstoppable.
1: Um, And like we said, that shot was great. The forecheck was great. And I don't know what happened in that second TV timeout of the second period, but the abs just figured it the fuck out. I don't know what it was, but they just were like, okay, we're we're going to start trying. It, I like maybe... texted you and you were like, yeah, they just decide they want to start trying.
0: Yeah. It's like, they just do that sometimes where they just decide that like, okay, now we're starting. There's no rhyme or reason to any of it. Like, I don't know. Like Jared Bednar has to be having like Optimus Prime speeches just randomly at certain points during these games that just gets these boys fired up like we've never seen it. And he just saves it until like five minutes left in the second period. And they are just a bowling ball the rest of the game.
1: Yeah. And we're talking about awards with Miko Ranton being in heart consideration. For, for what Jared Bednar is doing right now with this team, with with players, he should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. We all know he won't. It'll go to Jim Montgomery. It'll go to fucking uh, Rick Bonus with the Jets. It'll go to one of these uh,
0: new coaches. Well, I mean, he, he doesn't meet the criteria. It's either new coach on a good team or good coach on a surprisingly good team. He's neither. The Avalanche are defending champs, and he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the league. So he's disqualified from ever winning it, ever. Yeah,
1: it's what he's done with this team and the players he's had out is more impressive, I think, than what the Bruins have done, because the Bruins have, well, uh, the Bruins have a bunch of injuries to start there. Maybe the Bruins aren't the best example, but like the Jets, maybe like with Rick bonus, like we've seen that team starting to get some injuries now and they are free falling. They They are. are
0: Yeah, I remember they had no sympathy for us when we were playing them with all of our injuries and now they're having some and they want a bunch of pity. Uh, this welcome welcome to an 82 game regular season i'm sorry your two months aren't a guarantee for you to make the playoffs
1: yeah so i we're biased we're extremely biased but with what jared bednar is doing with this Avs team to get them like we had said we want them to stay afloat they're doing more than staying afloat they're getting back in the race with this like when they're they get these games. players back yeah when they get these players back it's it's gonna be a bad news for bednar because he won't be considered for jack adams but we're going to say that now that like if there was a midseason Jack Adams award winner, I think Bednar should win it.
0: And he still won't. I mean, just because no. like I said, it doesn't matter. It, it's not even just Bednar. John Cooper, Mike Sullivan, none of these guys have won. Like it's the, it's the absolute craziest thing I've ever seen that we know who the best coaches are in the NHL. They never win because it doesn't matter. It's a one season award. That means you were better than we expected, or we just really like you sometimes. Like last year, it was Daryl Sutter because he has those funny quotes to the media and Calgary was better than everyone expected. Was he even a top five coach last year?
1: No. No. And he got exposed by Jay Woodcroft. <laughs>
0: and now, and now look at Calgary. Now yeah. they're already sick of him. It, it's yeah. a one-year popularity contest award. And two years ago, you had Rod Brendamore win it. Fine, coach. Best? I I disagree. I disagree yeah. with that every time. He's always in the top three because everyone just likes him. It's a popularity He's fiery. Yeah, he's, he's he gets, he gives fun little speeches and he spits at refs when they call penalties against him. Yeah. So
1: I think Bednar should be like considered for it. He won't be, but no, he won't. what he's doing with this team right now is absolutely like, getting what he's getting out of this team is just ridiculous. Um so like we're going, we're, I'm going to go for a smooth transition. It wasn't smooth. Cause I said it was, but what Bednar said at that 10 minute mark of the second period and the abs just woke up, they outshot the Preds 21 to nine, the rest of that second period. Uh Cause the shots going into that before that run, I think it was like 15 to five for the predators. Yeah. Um, after,
0: after the first it was 15 to eight for Nashville.
1: Yeah. So the abs woke up Miko Rantanen gets the abs started Beautiful shot, like we said. And the Avs just turned it on that second period. We'll mention the goals by the Predators. Uh, Johansson, he's just a big piece of shit and uh, gets a goal in front. Uh, to give the Preds one, one nothing. And then the Avs have like one minute and 59 seconds of beautiful penalty killing. And then Matt Duchesne is just wide open on the back door to give the uh, uh, Preds a chance. Has Matt yeah.
0: Duchesne ever scored in a win? I need to know this. The guy I, scores every single time we play him, yet they can't beat us.
1: Maybe that's the key is like whenever we play the Preds now, it's like let Duchesne score and then we'll win.
0: Yeah. And, so, and, and honestly, in the battle of pieces traded in the Matt Duchesne trade, Sam Girard scored the bigger goal anyway, yeah. so he he doesn't even have that
1: right. So the yeah, Preds were up two nothing. I thought the Abs were dead. I was like, I was gonna text you and see if you wanted to start recording like during the third period because I was like, this this is
0: gonna get ugly. We we, we got to be getting blown out for yeah. early, for early recordings. But
1: I, I was thinking about it, and then like we said, Mika Ranton gets to that makes it two one. The Abs dominate the rest of that second period. I think Soros absolutely robbed Dennis Mulgan, who. Before we go much farther, Dennis Morgan's been terrific in his two games so far with the Avs. No joke, I I think that goal would have scored on 28 other NHL goaltenders.
0: Yeah, Morgan should realistically have two goals with the Avs already in his first two games. He had a great chance on Jake Allen, and he had a great chance in this game on UC Stars. He is phenomenal. Like He's he's not like a top-tier talent, like, oh, we just found a top-six talent for free. He's going to fit in just fine here. He is so fast. And yeah. it's almost like a perfect role for him because he's not the best defensively. That's not exactly a secret. But it's like I said last episode when we got him. I think this is what we wanted out of Galchenyuk, where we just just a guy that you have in your bottom six, that's a threat. Had never. I don't mean for Galchenyuk to be catching strays here, but Galchenyuk never really at any point was a threat. And he was so bad defensively that you couldn't pretend could play him either. out there like you couldn't put him out there. malgan is so fast and fits in on anything he's getting scoring opportunities. he's making great passing plays that like and even that I haven't really noticed any like defensive shortcomings so far. granted, extremely short sample size, but I have genuinely loved his game. he's not going anywhere anytime soon, as long as this team is still battling injuries, Morgan's still going to be out there. And who knows, maybe when we are healthy, he's earned a role. Well, yeah, I'm and not, I'm not going to say earned a role yet. That is very premature.
1: But. It's two games, but you can see the difference between him and Dryden hunt like Dryden hunts, just a big physical body. The abs didn't need that. They, they didn't need another physical body. They needed someone who could at least be somewhat of a threat of scoring. And that's what Morgan's proved to me so far. I think he's, I think he's going to be a big factor in our bottom six. Uh, For the rest of the year and with the pace we're going with injuries, I mean, you're it's going to keep going that way. So if
0: if Val's not back after break, Morgan could very quickly be seeing some top six minutes.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was playing it basically that third period. So I've been really impressed with him. I'm hoping he can keep it up. Uh, I've I've seen the flashes enough to be like, okay, I can give this guy 10 minutes a night. Yeah. we can, we can play in 10 minutes and we don't have to worry too much.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, he played almost 17 and a half in this yeah. game. He got shifted so, overtime too. Yeah. It's his second game and Bednar is already like, okay, 17 and a half minutes. Sure. Why not?
1: Yeah. And I actually really like him with Alex Newhook. I think that those two kind of, kind of play off of each other and they do it pretty well. Um, but, Overall, like I was, I've been impressed with him. He was robbed by UC Saros, which I thought that was a goal when, when that pass Absolutely. went through. I, I thought it was a goal. And Saros made an unbelievable save uh, to keep the game tied at, or keep the score 2 1. Went into the third period, and you could tell that the Preds were, wake. they woke up a little bit at the start of the third period. It was a much more even played third period. Um, but I still think the Avs had the most, more dangerous chances in that period.
0: Yeah, I think just I've said this before with Nashville. I think we just exhaust them every time they play us. They just they don't have the legs to keep up with us. We're, we're just a bad stylistic matchup for the Predators, because as that game went on, you could see they were getting tired. They were having a harder time keeping up with us. They're taking penalties. And you could tell it was really only a matter of time before the abs got another one. It's just the question is do you see Soros in the other net. Is are we going to be able to get one on him? And plus, we just we've had a lot of trouble scoring lately. The abs are very lucky they scored two goals in regulation at even strength because that was going to be a big thing coming into this episode. This oh, team, yeah, complete inability to score at five on five. They get two in this game, and my god, did this guy deserve this goal, JT Comfort? I'm, I've been rooting for this guy more than anybody this season. I love his game. I say it every time he scores a goal. I say it every time we talk about him. Comfer has been incredible this season. This is yeah. only his fifth goal. I've loved everything about his game. And Bednar agrees because, again, let me point out his ice time. He played almost 25 minutes in this game. He's been incredible. He's been really good.
1: He's been very reliable. He's winning faceoffs. It just every time he's on the ice, he's making an impactful play, whether it's offensively or defensively. The part that sucks about him playing so well is if he continues this, he's pricing himself out of coming back to Colorado next year. Um, and we can live with that if it results in another Stanley Cup. But, man, he's been so good. He was one of those guys who took a stick to the face and went down the tunnel uh, in that
0: third period. But that's what I, I was forgetting. You're right. Yeah. Yes.
1: He took that, and everyone, I, I think all – like i think everyone on twitter reacted the same way we were just are you fucking kidding me yeah. and then you see the point it's like oh we just gotta stick to the face like i love what mark rycroft said about it. he goes oh he just took a stick to the face as if that's still not one of the more painful things you can experience <laughs> as with the abs injuries be,
0: as if that would not be the most painful thing i've ever experienced yeah. <laughs> in my entire life is a professional athlete hitting me in the face with a weapon like that. Yeah. If you swung that at someone full force, like that is a blunt force weapon yeah. and cutting open my face, like oh thank god, it at least it wasn't yeah. worse. It was just a
1: stick to the face, he's okay. Um, but he returned and he he scores the game tying goal. He he just does, and it's a beautiful deflection. Lekinen gets it to the net. I like you said, I, I'm running out of words to for him. I, I don't know what's gonna happen when the team gets healthy. Because his ice time's obviously gonna go down, but I think at this point right now, I love Nui, but I think you have your second line center right now.
0: Yeah, I think you do. And the ice time fully supports that. Newhook played just under 17. Comfort played just under 25. Until you trade for a second line center, and we'll see what they end up doing at the deadline. Comfort is your guy, and that is currently is your guy. He's playing unbelievable. The role he's playing in right now absolutely is a great stopgap until the trade deadline. And we'll see how that even works after the trade deadline. Maybe he just plays so well, we get a third line center. Like you, you legitimately never know. You can trust comfort when he's on the ice right now. This is almost like not a completely different player, but like the complete version of JT comfort like he, the one we've been waiting for.
1: He's the JT comfort we saw in that playoff series against the, uh, uh, the Calgary Flames. And like that whole year, he's turning in back into that player. Um, And like we said, he's going, if he continues this pace, he's going to get paid a lot of money um, in this off season. And I don't know if it's going to uh, result in him being an av, but I completely agree with you. I, I think if he continues to play at this pace, you have to keep, him at second line center and i don't think this is an indication on new hook i thought new hook's been playing fantastic recently too it's just jt comfort is on a whole different fucking level right now man and when this team gets healthy and you get a line with comfort Nuchushkin, and lekinin potentially that is a that is a nightmare for an opposing team to go up against that team is going to backcheck and forecheck the absolute shit out of you
0: yeah, that is that is a hard work in line right there. I mean, Val needs no introduction. Comfer is just I I love every part of his game right now. He doesn't he doesn't have a huge scoring touch. That's just always been the thing with him. He's J T. Comfer, not Nathan McKinnon. But like he's just making all the smart decisions on the ice. He's playing really strong defensively. He's making great reads. I mean, you can see it when he's on the ice for overtime. Like he's genuinely being trusted to make like the right calls. And a lot of times this season he has. He's just been such a smart player this season. And then obviously Arturi Lekanen is just the model of consistency, game over game.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing too, that I, once everyone gets back healthy, you now have options with pairings because you can honestly keep, you you could sell me on the fact of Mika Rantanen, JT Comfer, and Arturi Lekanen staying as a line. Oh, and then that other line is going to be Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, and Valerian Achushkin. Like you can sell me on that now at this point with how JT Comfer is playing um, he can play pretty much anywhere up and down the lineup. So I've been really happy with JT comfort. I'm glad he only took a stick to the face and it
0: wasn't a, uh, not, not even the last one he took. Yeah.
1: He took two in the final 10 minutes, but, uh, he he's playing really damn well and he deserves all the praise he's getting right now. Um, and 25 minutes for JT comfort. Like tell me at the beginning of the year, if you would have, like, if I would have come and told you, Hey Griffin, uh, in the game before Christmas break, JT Comfer is going to play 25 minutes. How much would you have been shitting your pants at the beginning of the year?
0: I'd be like, oh my God, who's out and how badly did we lose? Yeah. Because it's like and- I, I I didn't have anything against Comfort coming into the season. But you can go all the way back to our, our season pre- preview review series from the summer. We've said the same thing about JT Comfer. It's like we know what he is, is that he's going to score 35 points this season. That would be a career high, maybe 40. And he's just going to be JT for every single night. This is a better version than JT Comfer. I mean, you brought up the Calgary series in that season. I I honestly think this is better. Like, this oh, is, I agree. Yeah, this is a complete version of JT Comfort that we're seeing right now. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. He's already at 17 points for the season, more than halfway to his previous totals. Like 40 points is on the table for him. I, I really want him to get that. And I know that's not like a huge milestone or anything. But just for him going into that contract season, going into the playoffs, I think that'd be a big deal.
1: Yeah, I agree. So shout out JT Comfer. You tied the game 2 2. And this game really like some fuck shit happened in this final five minutes of this game. It was up and down action the entire time. I think Nino Niederreiter or one of the Preds players missed an absolutely wide open net <laughs> like shortly after JT scored. Oh, yeah. um, was it? And... You, I never saw the. Did Giorgio save that? I don't think he did. Okay. I was too busy just caught like catching my breath cuz that was just absolutely ridiculous. But um it, dude, what? Hang on. Sorry. I just saw this on the bottom score. Taylor Radish of the Chicago has 10 goals. What?
0: Yeah. I guess I guess someone has to score. Yeah, right?
1: someone has to score. But was... but back to this game. If Georgiev made that save, that was fucking crazy. Um and it was just a really really uh fun last 5 minutes of this game. I thought the Avs had a couple chances too. They get that late power play as JT catches a high stick in the face again. Uh, I don't understand. So why did why was that not a double minor? There there was blood, right? There was blood, but I think they were saying that was because he was injured previously. That the the stick opened the same wound, which makes no sense.
0: Is that a rule? <laughs> I, or is that was that subjective? Because I was under the impression that the blood on the high sticks is like the most clear cut rule in high. I didn't know there was technicalities to it.
1: I'm sure that the refs have some discretion and I'm sure that they're like, Oh, you took a stick earlier. That's why.
0: Okay. Well, I want that to be the case all the time then.
1: Yeah. So
0: I don't know. I
1: I have no idea, but it it did result in the Avs a a power play late in the game. And I know the power play went 0 for four. their first two were bad, like really bad, but I thought three and four, they were getting the puck moving a little bit more. The one in overtime wasn't great but they did have some chances uh, yeah, still over four.
0: Like, yeah, I, I didn't love the last one. I thought it just seemed like if we get wide open, that's cool, but we have no issue taking this to, to overtime. I think that sod goal against the Blues scared them a little bit. I agree. Maybe they're not going to be super risky on these late power plays anymore. And they understand they got it really lucky. So I think, I think it was a little conservative on that last one. And in overtime, it was Okay. Hey, everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into big payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode.
1: I don't like how the abs like I get Kale McCarr and Miko Ranton are your two best players on the ice in that situation. But the constant game of just passing it back and forth to each other at the top of the slot, not the biggest fan of. Like they don't even try to go down low and get a cross scene pass. Um but I mean, we we gave JT some praise. He did fumble that puck away
0: Yeah, <laughs> with like 30
1: seconds he left.
0: He did was, fumble was, that puck it away. It was right after I hit tweet that Comfort was going to score the winner. He immediately slipped on the slippery ice and almost gave up the, the winner the other way. I was like, that's not what I meant. Stop. That's not what I meant. I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. But it yeah. turned out to be fine. The Predators kill off the penalty. And surprisingly long without a whistle after that. We play most of this overtime at four on four. And we finally get one. Towards the very end, kind of an uneventful overtime until you get the final rush from Evan Rodriguez. We've just been gushing about guys this episode. Yeah. Evan Rodriguez kicks so much ass, makes a beautiful play to Sam Gerrard. He's got a wide open net, puts it right past UC. He saw Sam Gerrard's first goal since coming back from injury, his second of the season, and it's against the team that traded him all those years ago for... Kyle I almost said Matt Duchesne, but that didn't happen. They traded him for Kyle Turris and Duchesne went to Ottawa because ridiculous trade again. Does not get does not get any less absurd with time that we got this kind of deal. But Gerard scores the overtime winner. Could not have scripted it any better and the Avs come all the way back from down 2 to nothing to win 3 to 2 in overtime and win three straight games past regulation. Are the
1: Avs the best three-on-three team in the NHL right now? Like, are the Avs better without Nathan McKinnon in overtime? People are
0: saying that. I, I think you got to ask the question. <laughs> I mean, the first overtime game we went to was the last one we lost. We've kicked ass ever since. Shootouts don't count. I don't care. But <laughs> it, they've been they have been really good in overtime. It seems like Miko Ransons just kind of solved it recently. I, I don't know what it is when him and McKinnon are on the ice together. Maybe they both just have hero complexes and that they both have to do it themselves, which leads to neither of them doing it. But I think both, it's just too much talent on the ice at one point. I, you know, and I think that's entirely correct. Rantanen, he had the overtime winner against the Canadians, a game we've been kind of ignoring, kind of sort of on purpose because it was just okay. But should, worth mentioning that Rantanen had the overtime winner in that game as well. And you get Gerard scoring the winner here. Rantanen came close a lot of times, but again, I mentioned it. Evan Rodriguez, how was this guy unsigned in August? I'm never going to get over it. He's so good. He's going to be another guy who's going to earn himself a
1: handsome payday uh, after this I, season, if he keeps playing this way. Honestly, I think this—I think
0: you got to find a way to keep him. I oh, really- I
1: agree, but he—he he took a chance on himself, and it's paying off big time so far for almost forty games in the season.
0: Because like Evan Rodriguez is really good. I don't think he's going to command like a Berkey contract though. I th- I think it's possible that you can find a way to keep Evan Rodriguez with a fair deal. Not like yeah. underpaying him or getting him for a steal. I think you can get a fair deal for Erod because he doesn't have like the career of production like Berkey had or something like that. I feel like Erod and Berkey is kind of a pretty fair comparison, right, for the role that they play in the lineup. Not, not exactly the same, but yeah. pretty similar.
1: I think Berkey has more talent. But, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, and that's my yeah. point is like Berkey's a bit more of a talented player. But for the role that Erod plays, he's essentially Berkey and fits perfectly with this team.
1: Yeah, he does. And his his playmaking has actually been very underrated for him. He's he's a very good skater, which I did not know uh, coming in. He's a very good he fits in with the rest of the abs. Um, but I agree if you can find a way to keep him, that'd be awesome. Uh, I don't know why, but I just imagine him signing like a Ryan Strom contract with the Ducks.
0: You know what I mean? What remind me of the Ryan Strom contract?
1: Five by five. Was it really?
0: Yeah. What a strange deal. I mean, right?
1: But like, doesn't that seem like it? Someone would like desperate because he's going to come off of like a sixty-point season this year, and he, he well, could. Well,
0: well Command you bring that. up you bring up the ducks that was the team that was rumored to sign him before we got our hands on him yeah. i mean that that makes sense it depends where he finishes honestly and let's be real when we get to the playoffs that's where the money is going to be made mm-hmm. if, if evan rodriguez has like if we if we go on another deep run and and erod has like over 10 points, he has like five goals and like 15 points in the playoff run he's gonna get some money
1: yeah very very much so
0: um
1: but yeah, I mean, that play he made, he sells the shot in overtime against the Preds. He sells the shot so perfect, slides it over to Samuel Gerrard. And Girard like, I thought Soros made the save at first. I really I, I, did.
0: I thought Sam missed. I watched that whole yeah. play developed, and I was thinking, Erod, shoot, shoot this, shoot yeah, this puck. Oh, my God, Sam. Oh, no, he scored. Okay, we're good. Yeah. I don't have to come um, on here in rage.
1: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like Sam Gerrard, we, the Canadians game was a little bit of a blip, and I'm glad it was a blip. Uh, because he did have some faults in the in the Canadians game. But tonight, he was fantastic against the president. he's been fantastic pretty much ever since he's returned. He's just playing his game. He's not trying to be something he's not, like you've said before. He's just playing like Sam Girard can, and he's eating minutes, and he, he scores the game winner tonight. And I couldn't be happier for the guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you go back to the Montreal game. If we came on here after that game, we'd be talking about like, man, Sam Girard and Eric Johnson did not have a good night after we just praised them a ton after the Islanders game. Uh, Girard and EJ got burned by Anthony Richard on the first goal for the Habs. Didn't have too much of a great night outside of that. Then you fast forward to this game against Nashville. Obviously, Girard has the overtime winner, but he plays a ton of minutes in this game as well. He has five shots on goal. This looked like the Sam Girard that we've needed to see all season. We saw it against the Islanders. He wasn't rewarded for it. We didn't see it against the Habs, and he got. Punished for it, comes back against the predators, gets rewarded for it with one of the bigger goals of his career, I would yeah. say. If, I, 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 if is it too far to say the biggest?
1: No, I think that one against Game 82 against the Blues in his first year yeah, with the abs was no, bigger, right?
0: One. No. This right. is up
1: there though. Um, and it's good. Like I none of us want to trade. Like we've talked about trading Sam Girard because if the circumstance it gets he's a luxury you you can move. But if he plays up to his standards, there's no chance in hell you're trading him. And what we've seen in his return, minus the Habs game, has been the Sam Gerard we've been waiting to see. Has right. been that.
0: Right. It's a it's a Sam Gerard. Like I've said a million times this season, is tr- is not trying to be something that he isn't. Sam Gerard is a great puck mover, a great skater, and really good at keeping pucks in the offensive zone. He's not big. Don't try to make him big. Don't try to have him play like he's big. Have him play the role that fits him. You saw it in the Islanders game and you saw it in the Predators game. This is a Sam Girard that is worth keeping. The one that's pressing too hard and like trying to play body. I mean, he should be playing body. You're playing professional hockey, but like try- going out of his way to do it. Probably not going to work from that. Sam Girard, probably not worth five. The one we saw in this game is. Yes, without a
1: doubt. And here's the thing. I think Josh Manson is very good for this team. I don't think you can pair him with Sam Girard when he comes back healthy. I think you have to keep Sammy G with EJ. I don't know what it is about those two. They just play so well together. And I i I think you go Manson and Byron when your D's healthy, and I think you I, keep EJ and Sam together.
0: I agree. I mean, it's just we've seen it multiple times throughout their career. Girard and EJ are peanut butter and jelly. They just fit when you put them together and also Byron Manson has worked too in the past. We've seen it. You're not getting that big a difference when you switch up those pairings a little bit. And plus, I think that just kind of makes sense considering where everybody is right now. EJ and Gerard have played together. Byron and Manson are still not playing. So I think that just well, maybe for the first few games, you switch them up just to make sure everyone's all back together. But ideally I think those are the pairs that you want.
1: I agree. And I, I think it's just, I don't think Sammy G like Manson and Sammy G should work in theory because basically Manson's just a younger version of Eric Johnson. But for some reason, those two just don't, they don't really click. And if you look at the early season struggles for Sam Gerrard, who was his partner for most of it, it was Josh Manson. So um, I just think personally that that's what it should be when everyone gets back healthy, which who knows if that's going to happen before the playoffs. But um, (laughs) I, I think those are your pairs going forward. Uh, But even then, like I, Guys like Andreas England and Brad Hunt are playing solid minutes with those guys being out. Like, I thought missing Byron for this long would be detrimental to this team, and it still sucks. Like, Bo offers so much more than England or Hunt, but you've been able to kind of patchwork your defense uh, over these – I mean, Bo's been out for almost two months now. Like, you're you're kind of patchworking it all right now, and it's working.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brad Hunt, Brad Hunt's impressed me, like genuinely yeah. watching him play. He's he's not bad at all. Like he's not making dumb mistakes. Andreas Anglin, we're we're well past the goalie running incidents at this point. Yeah. He's been playing really, really well. But I do have to ask, are you concerned about Byram at this point? Like you said, it's been two months and we've heard nothing. Um, I'm concerned, but also the fact that it's
1: not in head injury makes me less concerned. If That makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, worst-case scenario is concussion. But, I mean, like, he's not even been on the ice.
1: No. Yeah, I definitely – I don't know what he did. He had to do something to his, like, his groin or his calf or something. Um, Because, like, when he went out in Finland, he almost played that day. Like, he almost played that day. So – and then he was skating, and then all of a sudden he's – just it's crickets. There's nothing going on. Like, I saw, like, a grainy picture of him at morning skate a couple days ago against Montreal. But other than that, we've heard nothing – I mean, here's the thing: like, Bo Byram is a fantastic defenseman. Granted, the concussions aren't really like nothing he can do with that, but he has missed a lot of time. So we've kind of
0: gotten used to the fact of not
1: having Bo Byram.
0: Like, it it kind of just feels like a luxury sometimes. Yeah, when Byram's playing great, yeah, but most of the time he's not, and yeah, you kind of have to make do for the most part without him. It's it's great when he's here but we're kind of used to him not being right. most of the time. I, I think it's, it's one of those things where obviously like
1: his injury luck's going to start going his way and he's going to get healthy. Um, but you, you are a little concerned because he is a young kid. So like what, what is going on in his lower body? Like, I, I just don't know. Uh, maybe they're playing it extra, extra precautious, which I guess kind of makes sense, but also like you would expect him to be kind of like helm, at least in a red non-contact skating. Um But I I would say I'm concerned, but as long as it's not a head injury, that doesn't concern me as much.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, just, and maybe by this time, next episode, Byram's out on the ice and skating or something like that. All of this can change very quickly. It just, it kind of seemed like in like late November, it was kind of trending. So like, oh, he might be one of the first guys back. Might be Byram in that order. And he was skating for a little bit. And then he just kind of disappeared, which to me, I hate speculating about injuries because it's a very dangerous game, but that says setback and that's concerning. It's concerning, but it's kind of like,
1: it's not funny, but it is kind of crazy. I think maybe Landy beats him back, which would be like the most ironic thing.
0: Um, if if Landy Scott's back first, I'm, I would be genuinely concerned.
1: Yeah. That means like surgery probably happened on yeah. something.
0: So we'll see. I mean,
1: it, like when he comes back, it's going to be a great luxury, but you've kind of gotten used to it. And Brad Hunt and Andreas England have kind of filled in, in his absence. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see what they do when Manson comes back, who they send down between Hunt and England. I would imagine that they send, I see. I don't know because England and Manson are like the same player.
0: So I think they keep England around. I think he's just been a little bit. Better. Yeah, but it's close. I'm not going to, worry myself either yeah, way. I'm not gonna worry about it either. But um overall
1: for that Nashville game, I, I did want to talk about this. Like I, I think we've said it a couple weeks ago. I forget what I said was the win of the year uh so far. Th- this
0: one you said the blues.
1: The blues. This one I think is better. Like I, I think this win against Nashville is a very big gut check of this team because with how much they haven't been able to score like everything was against him. We talked about it on the episode earlier this week. That this game just screamed like a scheduled loss. It just did. Um, and to go back, go into Nashville, you fall down two nothing. Nashville has all the momentum. You come back and win that game. I, I think for me, this is better than the Blues win because it's. I thought it was more impressive than that blues. game. I feel like the blues game was like justice winning that game. Like you give up that late shorthanded goal. That was a back and forth game. This one, I felt like the Avs dominated and they deserve to get the two
0: points out of this. The blues game was more dramatic for sure. The blues game is like quality cinema stuff. Seven seconds left. Rantz scores the hat trick in overtime. Like that, like that's just pure drama theater stuff like that. This just felt like a more solid performance. Like the Avs genuinely responded to adversity and being down. They lose Val in the third period. They come back with an even stronger performance. You know, they they fail on the power play in overtime. Now Nashville's got all this momentum. They come back and they win. And you still have Alex Georgiev playing really well. We've gone this entire episode without talking about just how good Georgiev has been. Because in this game, again, 949 save percentage and in Montreal 950. And that's after the shutout against the Islanders. None of this is possible without him.
1: No, and it's it's almost become just so normal with him that like we forget about it. Like it, it's not normal to have a goalie play this well. Cause if he lets in like if he lets in that third one against Nashville, we lose this game. If he lets in that second against Montreal, we lose that game. He's just made the big saves when he's absolutely needed to, and he's getting better. From where he was at the beginning of the season which is a crazy thought but, but he's looking like a home run trade and we have our goalie for the next three
0: years i get yeah and he's already signed the contract like this is not a kemper situation like he is the guy until he's no longer the guy and there's yeah. no indication that says he's not the guy and it's not a coincidence that when the abs are playing their worst georgiev 879 892 966 and a loss somehow. And then 850 in a win or no a loss against Buffalo. Like it's not a coincidence that our worst losses of the year have been when Georgiev hasn't been at his best or just was not getting any sort of support. Yeah. Now you look at these last several games, 962 the first game against Nashville, shut out on 26 shots against the Islanders, 950 on 20 shots against the Canadians, goes into Nashville 37 saves, 949. He's been unbelievable. He's
1: been unreal, and I've been really, really happy with him. Um, I really thought Frankie was going to get this game, but they clearly made the right call having Georgie F go. They, they clearly made the right call. Um, and I've just been really happy with how he's playing, and he's he's going to start getting goal support. He is eventually going to start getting goal support. Let's be real here. Um, but if he keeps playing like this, this team's going to be very fucking good when everyone gets healthy.
0: Yeah, and again, let, let me paint the picture for you in the playoffs, whatever round you want to talk about here, healthy Avs team getting goals with Georgiev playing like this. Who beats them?
1: We saw it last year. They just needed 9-10 goalie to win a Stanley Cup. Like if they get 9-20, who knows how far they
0: go. Yeah, they, they, were, they were playing a goalie with one eye in Darcy Kemper and then running their backup out there most of the time. They swept the Edmonton Oilers and then went up against the defending back-to-back champs and were still able to win. Now, you take a team that's taken some hits depth-wise, but put a goalie that is playing like this consistently. This is not like, oh, every once in a while, Georgiev has a game like this where he steals one. This is almost every night Georgiev's playing like this. You put McKinnon back in here. You put Landeskog back in here. You get Darren Helm back in here. You get some trade deadline additions in here. You get Byram back in here. You get Manson back in here. You get Val fully healthy. Who's, especially in the West, Who's beating them? I, I don't. I, I don't think, think there. Are I many. think you have to ask the question, especially in the West, because each team in the West impresses me less every day. I agree. I mean, the Abs are like like
1: the Oilers lost tonight to the to the Canucks five to two, and the Canucks were coming off a back to back, and the Oilers don't look. I mean, McDavid looks great, but the rest of the team doesn't look good. I mean, the Blues and Knights are tied three three in the third period. Like, I agree with you. I don't think the West is very good. Um, and the abs fully health, like the abs at what seventy percent health right now, are winning games against some of the other West considered contenders.
0: Yeah, the only other team in the West I'd say has been playing like really well lately has been Minnesota and they lost to the sharks last night. And let's face it. I said last episode, this is the stretch that we look back on with Minnesota and this is their best stretch of the season. Yeah.
1: So the, the West is wide open. The abs coming back fully healthy are going to be fine. And if Georgiev can give you nine twenty, which would be a step down of his play this year, you're looking at running it back into the Stanley cup finals again. Granted, yeah. I think the East is significantly better than the West at. So, oh but hopefully
0: God. it's, Without hopefully it's pain. the same thing. The Cavs like, would legitimately be one of the best teams in the West right now. They're the second yeah. wild card in the East.
1: Yeah, the uh, the East, hopefully it's the same thing where they just kill each other getting to the Stanley Cup
0: final. So, so the East is just so good right now in the West. Like Dallas has been just okay lately. When we talked about Winnipeg earlier, they're, they're cooling off a bit. We're 6-1 and 0 without McKinnon. We're going to win the central at worst, I still think. We like we again, we're 6 points behind Dallas with 3 games in hand, we're 3 points behind Winnipeg with 2 games in hand. We win those games in hand, we win the division. That simple. And like you look at the Pacific, Vegas is just not good at home for some reason. They're 500 at home, 14-2 and 1 on the road. And they're they're dealing with injuries as well. They've been without Eichel. They're going to get better, but they've just been okay and then after that it's just a mess la is somehow winning games with their goaltending they're scoring a ton of goals seattle's cooled down and is somehow still in third because the teams behind them just refuse to win edmonton just cannot string together wins i've looked at their schedule there's not like a winning streak on there at all and calgary like it's wide open right now. And they're not even in the playoffs at the moment. Yeah. They can't get anything together. And then after that, we're talking about Nashville who as we've seen decent team, but like they don't have the it factor. They have Roman Yossi, they have UC Soros, and they just have a bunch of other pieces that are good. Just good.
1: And I guess the same thing. If you keep riding Soros, like you've been riding him, he, he's probably going to get hurt again. Like, it's that's Nashville's only hope is that they just UC Soros is a 960 in a playoff series and they can miraculously win some games,
0: but I mean, actually I'm surprised they haven't rode Kevin Lankin and more because he's a 925 so far this season, but he's only played eight games. Like use your guys. I don't understand. Like I get Soros is really good, but you found a pretty decent backup. You should probably use
1: him more often. it would make too much sense for the Predators. They have the I didn't realize how bad they've been offensively this year. Yeah. I I did not realize that. So um, overall, the abs are going to be fine. Like we talked about it, I think at the beginning of the week that like, this was a very winnable week. And if you can win all three going into the Christmas break, we'll be more than happy. And uh, they did that. They won all three. And now you come out and you have two games against a Coyotes team. That's scrappy, but even as banged up as you are, you're probably going to be a significant favorite in that game. Uh, And then you've got the Kings who, if the abs put 45 shots on the kings they're going to score at least 6 times like let's just be real they're going to
0: yeah the kings are a very strange team to watch it seems like they've been getting better at the leaky goals since the buffalo game i mean they beat the bruins in boston somehow a shootout hockey. against the sharks went yeah hockey they beat up on the ducks cuz of course they beat the flames last night they're going up against the yotes right now it's 1-1 in overtime and I don't know, like maybe it's not gonna be the the shootout we're predicting it to be, but I think you should still be able to find a way to beat the Kings. The, the Coyotes are trap game central though, not just for us, for every single team. Yeah. They're scrappy and they're they they're not good, but they play like they're good. Yep. There's a big and, there's a big difference.
1: And if there's one thing, like, yeah, give their coach credit. I mean, he's he's running out of roster, that's absolute ass, and they're competing in pretty much every game they play.
0: Yeah. So has there really been a game where they've just gotten like completely and utterly destroyed that you can really remember? The last one I can think of like the Edmonton game in Edmonton they lost like 8 to 2.
1: Yeah, like, I, I mean, for they, how bad this around. team is, they 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 fight. So the I I think it could be a trap game, but also coming off a break, I think both teams are going to be like a little bit more engaged and hopefully have a good day of practice. Like I I don't think that game's going to be a blow up for the Avs at no. all. I I think they should win that game. But I think this is a close game. I really yeah. do.
0: Like I, I'm not even just saying like oh trap game for the ads. I'm just saying like that is the Coyotes' identity this season. Is they are a big red flag to have on the schedule, especially if you're playing really well and you got like a big game after them. Like they're a big problem to deal with, especially going into Arizona where they're going to have a ton of games to end the season. Like Mullet, Mullet Arena is a very awesome place. It's awesome, awesome, and off putting at the same time because yeah. like that's their building. And you always going to have a ton of opposing fans in there, but it's still their building. And they feed off a lot of that energy. of Like everyone making fun of them. So I think, I think the abs are going to win that game, but I think, I think I agree. It's, it's going to be close.
1: I think if the abs were playing the Maple Leafs in the next game, maybe that's like a look ahead spot, but you're playing the Kings. So I think the Kings is more of a look ahead spot than the coyotes.
0: And plus, like, I think we learned with the coyotes last year, like, we split the season series yeah. with like they broke our home winning streak last year. And plus we just don't like them and they no. don't like us. It's the randomest rivalry in the entire league yeah. where like probably the best run organization right now is beefing with the worst one. And like, th- these are just shockingly bloody games every single time. Yeah. If anything, like you don't need to rush Nathan McKinnon back for this no. one. No, <laughs> no, you that don't. man has a vendetta against the coyotes as if they don't have it bad enough. Yeah. He he hates them. So That'll
1: be a fun one. I think the Avs win. I'm going to say I hope it's four to three. I hope they score more than three goals. Um, I think they go up four to two, and then the Coyotes get one late, and we don't get the empty netter to put it away. I think four to three, the Avs win that one.
0: I almost forgot we're not recording before that game. We're recording the game. Not used to that yet. It's because we're recording a day earlier, so I still thought we had another one. But, yeah, (laughs) I I think I agree with that. I'm going to go four to two, the Avs win with an empty net.
1: Yeah. It's going to be, I, I hope they get more than three goals and hopefully there's good news coming on the, uh, on front, but we'll see. Um, there was, we should just talk about the Canadians game before we sign off. It, it was not like it was a low scoring game, but it was not nearly as exciting as the, uh, Islanders game. Uh, the abs in that first period were God awful. Canadians scored early. Um, and much like the weather in Colorado these past couple of days, it was the avs were ice cold to start the game uh but then they they woke up in the second period arturi lekonen scores to tie the game power play goal good for him you could tell he had a little bit more a little bit more jump in his uh, in his skates this game
0: yeah going up against his former team for the first time you could tell that he he wanted this one and he picks up a nice power play goal in this game rantanen and McCarr picking up the assists on it the avs should have won this game in regulation but again i for some reason, Jake Allen just decided today is the day he's going to be a Vesna candidate and only lets yeah. in that one in regulation. I get, I guess it must just be like a, a cup champ thing where like every goalie just goes to like the in, most intense meditation process possible yeah. before puck drop every single game where they are just so utterly locked in. Like just one time, I want a goalie to like not get eight hours of sleep before the game. Yeah, that'd, he's just that'd like be great. a little bit off. Yeah, I'm not, just even a little saying, bit. not even saying 850. Just give me a 900, man. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: like yeah, come win. on.
0: Like, you really have Jake Allen at the end of December posting a 944. Get out of here. Yeah, it was a
1: ridiculous game for Jake Allen. Um, And then the, the game ends up going into overtime. The abs almost lose it. Jonathan Druin, who I didn't even know was playing anymore. Like, I, I thought he was still
0: out. Honestly, if you say that at any given point, sometimes you're right.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> he almost scores. It literally lays on the goal line. Miko picks it up. Him and Taves go on a two on one and Miko, like Alan almost stopped this one too. Like it snuck through him and it gave Miko the game winning goal. The Avs went two to one in overtime. One thing you can't say about the Avs, they, they, they don't play non-exciting games. Every game seems to be going into overtime and it's a one goal game. So, um, you can't criticize the Abs for that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't much else that happened in this game. I don't think we missed anything.
0: No, I mean, not really. This was a prime example of you let off the gas early and you let a a team lesser than you pick up an early goal. They almost ride it the whole way because they have a hot goalie. The Avs outplayed the Habs in this game. There's really not much else to to say other than Jake Allen was unbelievable. Georgiev made some big saves when he needed to, but only ended up facing about 20 shots in this game. The Avs put 36 on Jake Allen and... Miko Rantan is just, just doing it all himself right now. And our Terry is just incredibly consistent. I do want, before we totally wrap up this episode, I want to get your thoughts on. Do you think Kale McCarr is playing fully healthy right now?
1: I do. I mean, they showed that stat. He's he's like top 10 in shots on goal. He's just getting no puck luck. I I think he's fine. Um the goals will start coming for him again. He's just kind of uh, I wouldn't say battling bad luck right now but i mean he's still been rock solid defensively he's creating chances offensively he probably is banged up we just don't know about it but eventually those goals are going to start coming for him
0: yeah i i think kale mccarr is good enough to play right now i think he's not playing through something serious but if the abs were fully healthy and it was also like april and we had stuff locked up i don't think there'd be any question he'd be out of the lineup
1: yeah i'd agree I'd agree with that, but yeah, I mean, the goals are start coming from, I think he was like slightly behind, uh, Miko Rantanen for shots on goal, leading the team. So he's just had some bad luck. He'll start scoring here again soon. I think the past two games, he's been really good. Um, he had, he almost broke UC Saros's mass with that shot, um, tonight. And, I believe he rang one off the bar against Montreal or he had a hundred mile per hour shot against Montreal. So, I mean, I, I think he's good, but he could just be an EJ situation late in the year and we have everything wrapped up and you're like, Oh, Kale McCarr is not going to play for like two weeks with like a lower body injury. That wouldn't shock me at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just the kind of thing right now. Isn't that just kind of absurd that we're talking about the abs have been playing with all these injuries and stuff like that. They've gone six, six, one and O ever since the Rangers game without Nathan McKinnon, and Kale McCarr has just been battling bad luck the whole time too. And we're still winning these games yeah. with no five on five scoring. Like it's, this team is going to be just fine. Things are only going to keep going up for them. I agree.
1: They're, they're going to get going here soon. So um, yeah, I mean, Kale McCarr is going to go on a bender here soon of like 10 goal or like 10 goals in 10 games. Like he's going to go on that bender here soon. Like he's going to start getting some pucks in the net. So Yeah, he's probably banged up, but he's also like, it hasn't diminished his play. Like, he's still playing like 32 minutes a night. So, (laughs) it's, it's, uh, that's just how good he is.
0: Yeah. They're, they're really not limiting his ice time if he's not playing 100%. They're like, sorry, we need you. You're going.
1: Keep running it it out there, brother. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, like, I did not expect to have this type of talk tonight about the Avs beating the Preds. I, I'd kind of resided to the fact that they were probably going to lose this game. So, it was a very happy surprise when they uh, when they pulled this win out against Nashville.
0: Yep, for sure. I mean, it was a, a fun game. The Avs, they've they've shown some guts so far in the month of December. This really could have been a bad month, where, and we kind of wouldn't even be able to be too upset about it, where it's just yeah. like, oh, they're missing a ton of guys. What are they supposed to do? Something like that. Yeah, you want this to be better, but they're going up against all these great goalies and everything, and they're getting 950s against them every single night. Like, what are you supposed to do? They're still finding ways to win. And when this team gets healthy, and once things start going their way once again, once they stop playing goalies who are putting up nine fifties every single night, they're gonna really start rattling off some wins, like putting together some big winning streaks. I, I think by the all star break, this team's gonna be in first in the central. Uh,
1: Dallas concerns me a little bit just because they haven't had any injuries yet. But once they start getting banged up, because that's just what happens in hockey, then then I think they can they can get going.
0: I mean, like even right now, they're only six points behind them, and they have the games in hand. Like even if Dallas stays fully healthy, I'm just—I still think they're going to be winning this division before too long. I'm looking at Dallas's upcoming schedule; it's not too bad, but they've got—they've got some tough competition in here before the All-Star break. At least they're yeah. playing some tough teams mixed in along the way. Even if they're not winning, at worst, they're within a point.
1: I agree. I—I I don't think. Uh... I don't think that Dallas is going to run away with it, but I do think that it's going to be – it's going to get tight. It's going to get
0: tight. Yeah, and by the end of the season, it's not going to be a question.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: But, yeah, I mean, good to come out of these games with three wins. You're going into Christmas break, and you got the Coyotes coming out on the other end of it, and you're looking at guys coming back towards the end of the month. You're getting closer every day to McKinnon. You're getting closer every day to Landis And before too long, we're going to be talking about this team like the, the juggernaut that they are once again. No no longer surviving, they are the threat. Agreed. I can't wait for it. <laughs> I,
1: I need it at this point. Yeah. I don't know if my heart can handle many more of these one goal overtime wins.
0: These one goal overtime wins that just, just want to like against the Coyotes, just run them out of the building. Please. Like, just, just like go, go up three and score three more and just absolutely run them out of the building. Cause like we know that game against the Leafs on hockey night in Canada on new year's Eve is going to be this like super tense barn burner game. Cause it always is against Toronto just cause you, you never want to hear it from them. Cause they're always like so loud after every single win on Twitter and everything. You just don't want to hear it from them. Yeah. Those games, those games always have a little extra stakes to them.
1: Yeah, that'll be a fun one. I can't wait for that one. That's gonna be a that's gonna be another day where my life can either be great because oh, Michigan, yes, Michigan Michigan can beat TCU and go to the national championship and the Avs can beat the Maple Leafs, or it could be a tragic day for me. But but that, that's that's the beauty of sports.
0: It's the beauty of it at the end of the day, but I got nothing else for this one, Christian, unless you've got any wisdom for us.
1: Hope you all have a good holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, enjoy time with your family if you're so lucky to spend time with them. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much
0: all I got. Excellent. Couldn't have said it better myself. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs Dis podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you're scrambling for any last second gifts, may I recommend to you SeatGeek. You can use promo code, tell it abs it is for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. You don't have to wait for shipping. You don't have to go to the store. You can get those tickets on your phone the same day. Give them as a gift the same day. The great... Perfect last minute gift. Again, promo code it is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. And the way tickets are right now, you can be getting two tickets for as little as $10 for the both of them. No reason to not be getting in on these right now. Again, promo code it is on SeatGeek for $20 dollars off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL or more accurately at Teledabs it it is because that's, I tweet on there 99% of the time. And you can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. But again, thank you so very much for tuning in. We will catch you all next time. Merry Christmas and let's go abs.